Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page... We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. July 6th to the UK, to the USA, to Australia, to India, all the countries that are listening in on this week's podcast. I'm here with Matt. Hi, Pete. I'm here with Alfred. Hello, Lolo. And we're here for a Positive Vibes podcast today because last week it was about Hus Fami and, uh, and Darren Burgess. Uh, we weren't too happy about that, but this week, two recruits... Of a slightly better nature. We've just signed Jens Lehmann this morning. We've seen him out in the training ground with Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger looking every inch a granddad. Jens Lehmann looking every inch a German bodybuilder. 
bodybuilder, bodyguard. Um, and we signed Lacazette. Lots of controversy around him. Uh, club record signing. Goal machine from France. The first proper number nine we've had in many years. So plenty to talk about, guys. Episode number 20, the big 2-0. It's, it's a huge moment for us. I never thought we'd hit 20 episodes. I'm extremely excited about it, but not as excited as I am to hear what iconic, famous Arsenal players have worn number 20. Matt, could you fill us in? I certainly can. We have got some real Arsenal legends ushering in our personal milestone. Four players, three of them centre-halves, Pretty good centre-halves. First one, a very good-looking man, Matthew Upson. Oh, gorgeous. Absolutely wonderful to look at. I think think he probably extended his career at Arsenal by two or three extra years just because they like to keep him around, keeping the place looking pretty. Underrated, I thought. I I think he had talent, but he was just injured too much. I think it was an injury issue. He was in the... Was it 20... 10 World Cup squad or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think he did. I think he, he got, yeah, he, good he, spot. He, he definitely got into a World Cup squad a few years after. Was it, was it 90, 98 World Cup with Beckham? Or did he line up or did he get injured? No, I don't know. We, don't we, know. Will, we will look this up and we will come back to you. Should have on, had that stat. Matthew before. Upson, but undoubtedly. But we're a one take show. Undoubtedly. So, uh, so must carry on. He, he had a decent career. Um, mainly not not at Arsenal. Uh, the second player was another centre half of enormous promise at one point, and then he swiftly fell into that uh, the, the challenge that many centre halves faced at Arsenal in that particular period. He basically got beasted by Didier Drogba in one game and literally never recovered. He had like <laughs> trauma. Uh, Philip Senderos. Philip Senderos. Underrated. Um, he wasn't underrated, was he? Was just, it was, he stayed on too long. He stayed on too long. But you have to give it to him. He played in uh, makeshift defence that got us to the Champions League final that included Flamini, Colo Torre. Uh, who, who played? Uh, Lauren? I mean, it was a pretty shabby defence. And it was a pretty shabby team, to be honest. And it got to the Champions League final against all the odds. Probably the... Was that the first time Arsene changed his formation? Remember we went 4-5-1? Yeah. Thierry leading the attack. So let's not be too rough on uh, Felipe. And the thing that I liked the most about uh, about Senderos was he had that um, resting concerned face, which you want on any defender, where he looks like he's always worried about what's about to happen next. Uh, you know, the opposite of Mustafi's face, that he kind of just like looks like he's up for whatever could happen and not really there. Uh, and he, he reminds me a little bit of Drake, who also has that resting concerned face, where, whereas Drake admittedly is worried about how his boo is about, to, like how she's going to get to the club. You know, Sendros was worried about, about something very different, but they do kind of look alike. I thought when you told me that before we started recording, that was... Really weird. And <laughs> I have now seen a picture of the two side by side, and I can confirm, Alfred, you're absolutely right. Uncanny. I think he's got, <laughs> Senderos has uh, like a PTSD look on his face, probably induced by Drogba as well. Yeah. But I think part of the problem for um, Mr. Senderos was that he was a bit of an intellect, wasn't he? Doing a degree, reading books, and all those things that you shouldn't do as a footballer. 
Um, and I think that led to him to, to overthink on the pitch. Yeah. Um, Those books will always get you in the end. Yeah, you need to be, you need to be like John Terry. A couple of colouring books when you're five and then nothing else. And a racist. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not the racist part. <laughs> uh, the third player, moving swiftly on before we uh, get into some legal issues, uh, Johan Giroud, another Swiss centre half with enormous promise. Enormous promise. Uh, most famed in the last five years for having two hundred and forty thousand euros worth of watches stolen out of his hotel room. The fact that Johan Giroud can afford almost quarter of a million euros worth of watches. Tells you all you need to know about the modern game. Disgraceful. Well, one person who could easily afford $240,000 worth of watches is the final number 20 Arsenal legend and billionaire, Matteo Flamini. And it's beautiful that he's made a second appearance just like he did at Arsenal. So positive positive start to the week, even though it's not really the start to the week, but um, a positive start to July. Two Major signings and one that's getting us all pretty hot and bothered on the collar because it's one of the most exciting moves and most unexpected moves of the summer. Jens Lehmann. Lehmann saved it! And Arsenal are within sight of the final! I mean, I am ridiculously excited about that. If we needed something in the, the, the last few seasons, it was a crazy German guy shouting in German, to Ursel to press. Seriously, like, to have someone in there who is unpredictable, who Arsenal cannot control as a first-team coach to actually hold some of the players accountable, who's also uh, has the ability to step up and say, yeah, no, I've actually won some stuff. Uh, what have you done? Uh, I, think is, I think it's one of the most exciting signings in the last few years for the club. The big question that I have for, uh, for you, Matt, off the back of this is that um, being an unpredictable maniac as a player <laughs> is, 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 generally, is generally fine. Roy Keane, a great example, like fairly unpredictable. But like a, like a great political leader of like maybe a smaller country that's trying to uh, give off the impression they're powerful, um, will Jens uh, tone down? His unpredictability, or will he use unpredictability in a political sense to keep a nice balance between fear and love? Well, I think it's interesting that Arsene Wenger's brought him in because he must have a role for him to play. And I wonder if it's a little bit like, you know, when, when you don't really like having the hard conversations, you don't like being a bit of an arsehole sometimes. And Arsene Wenger certainly falls into that camp. Maybe... You know, he never he doesn't openly go to war with his players, even when they've let him down badly. And maybe he saw enough at the end of last season to think that he needs someone in his ranks who he can use to ball people out and scream at people and let them know what he's feeling without actually doing it himself is one reason why it might be good to have someone who genuinely doesn't care what anyone thinks about him. Someone who could grab the cigarette out of Sheshna's hand and just, like, burn it on his chest. I think that's a perfect first role for him, yeah. But I think I, the, the interesting thing when we're talking about this pre-show is if Arsene had bought in Robert Perez or Martin Keown, who'd been slobbering all over him uh, for the last two years trying to get a job, you'd say, okay, well, this is just more of the same. But uh, I, I don't see what power... Uh, Arsene has over Lehman, bar being a kingmaker, 
um, which is certainly beneficial because uh, Lehman was part of uh, that generation that earned good money. So he like, he would have been earning 45 grand a week for a, a good stint of time. He's been doing uh, a lot of media. Uh, he's super intelligent. Uh, he's got a great reputation. Um, and he's also come out and said some quite spiky things about Arsenal uh, over the last year. So I don't, Layman can't go in there and be a yes man. I don't think he's capable of it. So it it actually feels like the first positive uh, move, room, yeah, yeah, backroom room because back the 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 performance director can be sidetracked, doesn't get involved in uh, Wenger's work. Um, I thought that they might bring Lehman in as like the under three, under twenty three coach or like maybe the goalkeeping coach and still sideline. But if he's actually being embedded uh, in the first team coach along with Steve Bold, I can't see that as anything other than positive. And I I absolutely agree with what you're saying there, Matt. I think that Lehman has been brought in to act as like a, a shield perhaps between the players um, and Wenger and to actually dish out some discipline and some hard truths because he doesn't have a soft way with words. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Alfred, what, um, what, what are you most excited about with, uh, with, with Jens Lehmann? Are you concerned that he, doesn't, that he hasn't got experience elsewhere? What do you think about that? I think the, the thing that we are missing, as you both, both point out, um, is someone who can have the time and posture and just the ability to go up to some of these players and have a word. And something we talked about, you know, 10 or 15 episodes ago was just that none of the players felt like they would be punished if they put in a bad performance. You, there was no fear in the eyes of anyone. It was basically, you know, at, at times, the only person who seemed to care that they were losing was Oxlade, who was ashamed of, of the team's performances, and Sanchez, who was sulking uh, and didn't put anyone um, in a good light. But just to have that person and I think really that Jens can be that who can hold them accountable and also who who was part of like a real Arsenal spine and knows how to build one and how what it looks like I think is hugely exciting mm-hmm. and I'm not joking when I'm saying I think this this is one of the most exciting signings we've done in a long time and when Gasidis talked about how this could be a, a, a catalyst for change I actually think that this is one of the first positive things um, I've seen come from that and it's it's kind of ironic that they let him go out on that Q&A without this signing because that could have been a real talking point for him. Yeah, I think there's two things I really like about it. One is I like to use the barometer of how would we feel if we heard that, say, a Wolfsburg or uh, a Stuttgart or someone had, signed, had got Jens Lehmann to be their manager. And if that had happened, you'd be like, you know what? I think that's a good signing. I think he could have a big impact because he's smart you get the sense that he understands the game. Uh, there's going to be no issues with motivation. Uh, so to have him in the mix with the first team is really, really exciting. Yeah, I think um, so there's, there's a few things I worry about. Um, I, I don't think he's got a, like a good grounding um, in coaching. Like It's not like bringing him... Pep Guardiola from the Barcelona B team after a stint of, um, of success. Uh, I, I don't really know what his views are on the game. He commentates on what he thinks is wrong with Arsenal without offering up what could fix it. But I think the, just judging by the way he carries himself, I, I, I don't think he'll be 
the crazy guy that he was when he was our goalkeeper. I think he seems like very intelligent. I think he's got a, a presence about him. And uh, Alfred's point uh, and your point, really, like he he should be the guy that drives accountability. He should have everybody fired up like Sanchez is um, just on his own because I feel uh, we've got a pretty good squad at Arsenal, but it really went off the board in February and Arsenal had no answers for it. And I think that bringing in somebody who's a winner, who understands the heritage of the club, I think that's a really exciting move. Where do you think it leaves Steve Bold? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good question. I guess the, uh, the first team coach can sit on... Um, the bench as well I mean it doesn't sound like Steve Bold's being um, pushed out in any way um, but I, would it feel like a slap in the face a little bit I guess it depends wherever he's on the bench but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be feeling comfortable if somebody brought in somebody of layman's stature uh, into the backroom team I've got to say I mean Steve Bold knows as well that <clears throat> I mean he <laughs> I think he wants anything to happen seriously I mean, his his face at times as well has just shown you that he knows that he can't do anything about it, but he wished that someone else would. Yeah, I think uh, I think he'll either see this as uh, you know you're on the way out, or like, like you say, he'll see this as a, as a welcome ally, and hopefully he sees it as a welcome ally because from what I understand, he's very well respected around the training ground. Under Arson, no one is ever on their way out. Like no one is worried. Um, in the backroom staff. No, no one could possibly be. Yeah, he's a collector of players and coaching staff. He has some goal. Solskjaer. What a save. What a save. He's wide-eyed with disbelief. Oh, they've got a Solskjaer. Oh, I think this is a brilliant save from right. Oh, it is. What a save. It gets a little bit of luck when it gets blocked, but this looks in. It's got gold written all over it. So if Jens Lehmann was the surprise signing, then I think Lacazette was the complete opposite, really, because he's been talked about as a potential Arsenal signing for about 18 months now. And today was the day, that moment where you scroll on Instagram and then suddenly they all pop in your feed and you see lots of pictures of him wearing a kit and, uh, and everyone is promoting it. So he's joined, finally. I mean, how do we feel? A club record, 50, is it 52 million? 52 million. Um, then some bonuses that could push it up another five or six. I, I, for one, am absolutely delighted. I am delighted as well. It is incredible that we have signed someone on, you know, in the beginning of July, a player that we need. But I'm also a little bit less excited about it because it was a play that we needed. I think it's another perfect example of Arson always, you know, building a squad that could have won us a year or two ago. You don't think we need him? I think we need him. I think we have needed him more uh, at, you know, a season ago or even two seasons ago. I still think that the most acute thing for the team to sign this season is a central midfielder. Like goals was not what we were lacking last season. It was creativity and it was the able to, the ability to boss around in the middle of the park. But we're not preparing for Alexis's departure? That that says to me that's pretty urgent, I think. But I think there is there is that, you know, saying that generals fighting the last war, uh, which was coined ironically about the French generals in World War Two and as a reason why they lost was because all of their strategies were equipped and set up to win World War One, 
And there's something about Arson, another old French general, who you can meet, you can see how in his mind he is playing the Leicester, the Leicester season at the moment, and that all that he needed that season was a striker. Now he's going to spend this season trying to win last season with a three-four-three and trying to perfect that that system. And what you're going to need for that system is not necessarily the striker. We have striker options, but we don't have options is in is in central midfield. Yeah, I just say he had two good seasons at Lyon, and last three, year three good seasons. He's now had three, but he'd had two oh, okay, last sorry. year. And Wenger's probably thought you're 25. Is what what's going to be the reaction? You're not going to get a move now. Is he going to have another storming season? Because if he does, then he's got some real fortitude about him. He reacts well to disappointment. He's now got three on the bounce. And I read a, I saw a statistic, you know, he's one of only five players who have managed to score over 20 goals in the top league for the past three seasons, along with Messi, Ronaldo, Harry Kane, Sergei Aguero, and I think him. So for me, it's top quality. It, we've been moaning about how we don't have a player like that. And now finally we've got one. So all good. I, I'm happy. I am super happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm delighted that we have, like I said, I think you you are you hit nail on the head when you say we have been wanting him for a long time. And I think that's my my only issue with this is that you know this is just proof that we're gonna have to wait two seasons for someone to replace Casola because that that's how long it now takes for Wenger to actually fill a hole. Pete, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I th- oh. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really struggling to, uh, to formulate uh, an, an opinion um, on this one. I think firstly, because it's very dependent on what happens with the squad for the rest of the summer. I think if you, if you keep a player um, like Ozil, um, I think he's going to work really well with uh, Lacazette. I think if you keep Sanchez, then all of a sudden like you're looking really fucking exciting. Um, but I think to like Alfred's point earlier, like the Chelsea scored 85 goals in the league last season. Arsenal scored 77. I don't think the big need uh, was a lack of set. So I'm hoping that this isn't a hey Sanchez is off now because then we've we've dropped our our, our squad ability by a, quite a lump. Um, the other thing that that gets to me a little bit. And uh, Wenger is always the first to come out and say, you know, if I'd signed Rob Holding for 50 million, you'd be happier, but you're not happy because we're signing for 2 million. Whereas I feel like we've signed uh, Lacazette for 50 million. And part of the disappointment with a lot of fans is he's probably not a 50 million pound player. And I think that when you look at our striking ambitions over the last four or five years, we've gone from Suarez to Higuain, um, to Benzema, uh, to, and then we've landed on Lacazette, and I, I just, I just don't see him. I just don't see him in the same league as a player like Ober. But uh, you, you, we've we've made a move. We've been decisive. We've got him in before preseason, which is like very rare for Arsenal. Um, he looks to have like really good link up play. Like he's clinical um, in front of goal. And let's be realistic here: that we are a Europa League team right now. Like it's going to be very difficult for us to get anything uh, above his ability. And if he grows into the Premier League in the same way that Zlatan 
took it by storm. And again, a lot of people were questioning uh, his goals last year and whether they could translate. Um, then maybe we're maybe it's a stroke of genius. Yeah, I just saw when when uh, they had that sort of always slightly weird picture of Arsene Wenger sort of leaning over someone as they sign a fake contract. And I saw that picture and Arsene Wenger, and I know a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, he looks like he's got a bit of the old mojo back. He's got a little twinkle in his eye. He is signing players early. He's got the top scorer in France. He's got the best left back in Germany. There's more players to come. I just, he just looks, you know, when you look at what the, what our competition are doing, this this has been an unbelievable transfer window so far. Yeah, but I can't help but think that watching him with those players and having that sparkle in his eye is a little bit like Donald Trump holding up a baby. You know, okay, brilliant. It looks like he's a, he's, he's a man of the people, but the reality is uh, that Arsenal weren't a Lacassette away from uh, not being spanked. 10-2 by Bayern last year. Like We're not a Lacazette away from winning the Premier League and I don't think that we're addressing a lot of our core issues. But it's early. Well, I always think the irony has always been, we've always said, Arsenal need to show ambition to keep their players. When good players have left, we've always said they wouldn't be leaving if we just went out and signed some good players. And there's a, there's a, a little bit of me that almost thinks that we're making these moves so that our, so that we've got replacements when the when our players leave, aka Sanchez and Ozil. But actually, there's not a terrible chance that they might look and go, you know what? With these new players, with me, we actually might have a bloody good chance this year. Yeah, I think I think it's a perfect point, and I don't want to. I don't know if the expression is to to piss on a parade, but you know, there's to, to Pete's point about how. This how Lacazette needs to be in a context, right? Because I can in if we're playing a three four three, and we have Sanchez, Özil, and Lacazette up top, I do think that we will be the most potent we've been in a very long time, and I can I can see how well that works. I also love the fact that Lacazette used to be on the right, and that Sanchez is on the left, and that's something that we've kind of missed creativity coming from both sides there, especially when they overlap. And I think that could be, you know, that could be fantastic. The SOL. The SOL. But if we lose, we're not going to lose Ozil. But if we lose Sanchez and suddenly we are looking at an Iwobi up there or something, I think we are going to have taken years back with an Iwobi, Ozil and Lacazette, for example, or something like that. So it is, it is highly, highly contextual for me to get excited about it. The, the other thing is, like, okay, we are a Europa League team now. And, you know, we wouldn't have gotten Lacazette unless Atletico Madrid Madrid has fucked up. So we wouldn't even have been playing in that region uh, unless someone else had made a mistake. And we, we would have had gone even further down. If we would have finished top, top four or third or second, and if we had a little bit of momentum and could offer Champions League football, I think we would have... I, I would have wished for, for quite a different summer. I wish we would have got Nabikita. I would have been excited about Lamar and Bappe, etc. Young blood that we could build from that are exciting, that you know could offer excitement this season, get us in top four, but then get us really going for the season after. And I think he's an Atletico Madrid level player, and we've managed to steal a march and get him in. I think it's but we we didn't used to be like 
wow, we've stolen someone from the third best team in Spain. We used to think that... Or third best team in Europe. Yeah, uh, fair enough. But I do think, yes, fair enough. We are we are a second-tier team, and we've gotten a great player. And there is a little bit of me that wished that we were still a first-tier team and that we could have gotten excited about someone uh, a little bit better. So um, a lot of opinion flying around there, but how about we put some fucking numbers down, guys, and talk some stats? Because I've got some stats. So, uh, so some of the... Some of the questions um, and challenges about this signing have centered around uh, things like, you know, like his goal record, um, like whether he can score against uh, big teams. So I thought I'd do a little bit of um, sleuthing. So um, can he score in big games? We've got to remember uh, Lyon are fourth best team in France. So a top four team. So not terrible, like everybody's uh, making out, but, you know, not great. And they did, they got to the semi final of the Europa League, which is probably further than we'll get next year. So um, goals versus big teams for Lacazette. He got one against Monaco, um, like really strong defence, obviously a great attack. Got one against PSG. He got um, two two against Nice, um, two against Marseille. Uh, didn't manage to score against Bordeaux. Uh, teams of note in Europe, he did not score against Juventus, but we won't hold that against him because they have one of the strongest defences, the strongest defence in the Champions League and made the final. Um, but he did score against Roma. Uh, scored against Chesney, uh, and he got two um, against Ajax. And uh, they they played Ajax in the semi-finals. Um, I, I don't think the Ajax were particularly good in the final, but regardless, it shows that he can score on the on the big occasion. And then we get into um, into goals. So he scored thirty-seven um, in forty-five across all competitions. So uh, one hundred and fifteen shots last year, sixty-three of those on target. Um, so he's got a 32% conversion rate. Very good. Really good. Um, landing a goal per minute. And I know what you're thinking now. You goal even, a minute? Uh, sorry, a, a, a goal every 109 minutes. A goal a minute? Yeah, so this is based on starts, not on, like, it's just a, a loose estimation. Um, using the same math for Alexis, um, who had 17 assists. So that's a true player who brings people into the game. Um, but Alexis had uh, 182 shots. Um, 76 on target. So he had a 41% shots on target ratio, but uh, with an 18% conversion rate. So that's a goal every 147 minutes, but he did start 54 times. Like a real workhorse, Alexis. I'd be so gutted if we miss him. He's so fit. And then, um, but when you compare against Giroud, who started 27 games last year, scored 24 goals and had eight assists. Um, Giroud has a 29% conversion rate so very similar to Lacazette on that front and has a better goals per minute um, ratio of a goal every 101 minutes but I guess so are we getting uh, like somebody that can grow, can grow into an Alexis type player or are we getting Giroud uh, with pace well I think we're getting someone who can grow into an Alexis type player because the reality is we've known how we want to play for a couple of seasons now, right back to the start of the season before the one we've just been in, when we beat uh, Manchester United 3-0 with that fluid front three. We've been wanting to play a fluid front three for ages, but because we've lacked the quality of forward players who have that sort of movement and pace uh, and the need to keep Giroud happy, we've always ended up reverting back to a less mobile front three throughout the season. So... 
I just think we we know that how Arsenal as a team play better, and that's with a player like Lacazette. So, you know, I'd, I'd also be interested. The, the real test will come as to what he does to the numbers of the players around him, because if he can coax some more goals out of some of the other people around him, uh, then you know he he will have been a very successful signing. If he can turn you know Ursel into value for money, and for Ursel to be able to do, you know, target practice against um, a striker who can actually finish, I think that will be massive. And I think that could be incredible to see, you know, the Ursel we, we saw when we signed him. And But, like, I don't want him to be, you know, another Alexis, do we? Like, we have Alexis, hopefully. And I'm just also kind of bored of this kind of, like non-committal thing where we sign Lucas Perez and we try him out on the left and it doesn't work and we sign Podolski as a striker and they, we turn him into a winger and it doesn't work. There, There is something in me that I just want us to commit to having a striker that we build around and where a large focus for, for the team is to get balls to the striker. Doesn't it feel like Lacazette fitted a lot better into our old system? rather than the 3-4-3. And with the new system having wing-backs getting the ball into the box, we would be better off with a target player than we are now. I mean, it does feel like we, again, signed someone for the old system and not necessarily that fits perfectly with the 3-4-3. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I think that we're going to... well, I think we're going to suffer um, if we lose Giroud. And the interesting thing for me is like, like Giroud's what thirty, uh, like super clinical, in front, kind of in front of goal. But we'll keep on Danny Welbeck. Why are we keeping on Danny Welbeck? Well, because Giroud is clinical and he always he never misses the opportunity to get the fourth goal. But he's not a. I mean, well, let's just look at Danny Welbeck's all-round performance in the FA Cup final as an example of what he can do. And then let's look at Giroud. And I think that summed up. Giroud created a sumptuous assist. But apart from that and a couple of good defensive headers, he doesn't dominate games in the same way that Welbeck is, is, is able to dominate games. So we'd be the only team in the top seven without a striker, a lead striker over six foot tall. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. To but see Danny Welbeck can play. Why do we have to have a lead striker? We play. A squad we just game. pay fifty two million for him. Got- yeah, but Danny Welbeck can play, will be playing games. He'll be he'll play, start twenty five games this season. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, mate. Be worse for Martin Yol on his side. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! Well, that is top draw. It really is. Oh, his first touch sets it up nicely for him. He just loops up in the air and he thinks, why not? And he gets reward because that just crashes. So the proof is in the pudding, as they say. Lacazette got a lot of goals this year. How many? What's your prediction for Lacazette goals next season? 11 after having been injured at Christmas. Cheerful stuff from Alfred. I have a, my suspicions are that he's going to do slightly less well than Giroud so that we'll be like next year we should have just kept Giroud and then Giroud's going to score 30 at Everton 
That's such a miserable prediction. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please, Matt, predict 44 goals. Please predict it. I think he's going to get 27 goals in all competitions. Oh, bold. Well, we can return later on next year uh, to see who was right and who was wrong. But for now, we're going to move on. Uh, we were going to move on to how's the summer going so far. But then, uh, then we thought, no, that's uh, that's not a fun topic to go on to. And with Jens Lehmann, the new uh, head teacher coming into the training ground with his notepad, uh, we wanted to add a few things to that because uh, there are still things to be done. Uh, we're looking at the glamour signing at the moment, but Arsenal um, Arsenal needed a lot more than a good striker to win the league and to not get spanked out of sight in the Champions League. So uh, what's going to go on your summer checklist, Matt? What's going to go on my summer checklist? What I want to get- summer checklist. What do, you want, what, what do you want to happen? I want to get rid of some players. We want to get okay, cool. All right, I want so. to get rid of some players, and one player has really, really pissed me off. It's pissed me off for about eight years now. There's a clue in there, maybe even ten. You got Gibbsy? Oh no, he, I mean he's beyond even pissing me off. He's just he's so he's so like he's just, so uh, just okayish well, that he doesn't even piss you off. Is that, is that, we, no. we we saw a picture earlier with Jack Wilshere, Kieran Gibbs, and um, Danny Welbeck, and the only reaction to it is is Kieran Gibbs still play for Arsenal? There's no, like, hatred or it's just, oh, can't they just ship him off and, like, he could join, like, Vic Akers and, like, do something with, in, in the kit room or something. Um, no, I just want us to get rid of Theo Walcott because yeah. I don't understand how a player with his goal record is in the Premier League. He's a proven Premier League goal scorer. He is. He is. Can't do anything else. How can we not get rid of him to someone who is desperate for goals? Why can't... Sunderland or Crystal Palace or West Ham. West Ham. Why can't they just come in? We don't even want that much. Like, I don't know. Is, is, is 15 million too much to ask? Do you just get them off the wage bill, right? Like, if that if that's the problem. If, if, if Arsenal have been put over a barrel, what, is it three contracts we've been barreled by Theo Walcott? And he's like, well, you lose me now. It's like our seasons were going so badly that fans were leaning on him staying being a good thing. Surely a West Ham or a, a, a newly flush Everton. Newcastle, maybe? Yeah, Newcastle. Be good, good. I think uh, the, the Rafa Benitez. Whose family needs to get on the phone? But he's turning 29 next year. He's, like, he's getting to be an old player. It's not an investment for the future. I think, you know, one of the newly promoted teams could do well with him, I guess. But he's probably going to be too expensive for them. It's that it just as soon as he got that coffee machine, it all went downhill. So number one priority for me, sell Theo Walcott. Over Wilshire? You'd you'd rather we sold oh. Walcott than Wilshire. Well I, I mean I think we'd be lucky to get a million for Wilshire really, wouldn't we? Yeah, but but Wilshire, Wilshire there's something there's something we just yeah it's hard it's like the the things that worry that worries me the most and I which I explained earlier is Casola there are you know rumors whatever that he tried to contest on Instagram that he's out for all of next season and players like Ramsey and Wilshire are are kind of distracting from that problem a little bit and you worry that Wenger still feels like they have potential and that they could be the solutions and that he's bet on them. So if I was going to get rid of what I think is the biggest threat to the squad really developing and really, you know, 
building for the future. I think Ramsey is the biggest threat to that. I love You didn't watch the cup final. I love Aaron Ramsey. I I do. He's a hero. But that performance. <laughs> but I just I just I think you know, we need a centre midfielder and Ramsey's in the way of that because, you know, Wenger is going to indulge his dream of being a complete box-to-box player for another two seasons. And we are going to sit here having missed on Naby Keita this year where he we could have gotten him for like 40 million. And next season, when he goes for 80 to Real Madrid, we are going to hear Wenger say, well, I did talk to them last season, but... You know, we had Ramsey. So for me, yes, get rid of Walcott. But I I think what would be best for the team is to actually rip the Band-Aid with Rambo. I think the best thing would be that actually it was, I mean, it's, this sounds really awful now, but is that Cazorla, it, it is true. And he is injured because then we have to replace him. There's absolutely no chance of him playing again. And then you're almost looking for a like-for-like replacement and, and we can just get that guy in. I'd move... Cazorla on now. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. He's never going to maintain uh, fitness again. Uh, if we'd had him fully fit two seasons ago, we would have won the league. If we'd had him fit last season, there's no way we're finishing outside the top four. Let's just move him on. Like, let's stop being uh, so emotional about it. Like, he is uh, two years into his 30s, I think. Uh, and He's 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 a liability. We need to get in somebody young who can you're replace right. him. And you're I don't right. I just don't understand um how this problem has occurred twice and it's cost us big twice, and we don't have a 21-year-old version um of Cazorla coming in, or even a 26-year-old Cazorla, somebody who's fit, somebody that can dribble with the ball, somebody that can open up, somebody who can sprint. Um so I'd uh, I I definitely would get rid of Theo Walcott, um, Aaron Ramsey. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'll ask you a question about him in a second, but like Cazorla would be next on my list because uh, we're so tied uh, we're we're so tied to like the the legend of Cazorla that we can't seem to let go. Um, and on the Aaron Ramsey thing, Matt, I know that you gave uh, you gave Alfred a pretty sharp look there, but I would say Aaron Ramsey. Sure, he can come good at the end of the season, and it's brilliant, but. You can't rely on his fitness, ever. So even if he puts 10 good games together, you know that he's going to get injured like he did in his uh, 2013 season. Uh, You can't rely on his form because he goes in and out, uh, like somehow manages to record pretty good stats all the time. And he's always in the those stupid charts, the XG charts, like he's in there with, uh, he's in with the best of the best, but you just can't rely on him. And I don't, and like how many more years are we going to put energy into the British core that can't be relied on to uh, do a good job? So I don't know why you want to keep him. Well, I think one of the main reasons we haven't been able to rely on him is because he hasn't been played in the right, in the right position. So I think the new formation and the role alongside Xhaka, but with more support behind him, actually suited him really well. And it feels like that's the formation we're going to be going into next season with. So why wouldn't I want to see more of that? Because it was that formation change that saw uh, them bring the best out of him. Then I'm also thinking back to last summer and his performances on the big stage for Wales. Um, so... But but then he we wouldn't get a Casola replacement because Ramsey has taken that role right in centre midfield together with Chaka. Well, Ramsey's been at the club for about 
eight years or however many of which Kazola has been with him for five. So I don't think the two are interdependent. I think it's just, I don't think anyone is, we've got a, a collection of players who can play, have the ability to play with one another. And that's what I'm hoping to see over the forthcoming season, different players playing in different formations, each of whom can perform certain roles. So uh, I don't think Ramsey is, is connected to, uh, us getting a new midfielder or not. Aaron Ramsey's staying. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And uh, and, and and we still need a centre mid. Yeah, fair, fair enough. But I, but I do think we won't get... I, I'm just... I, I have a really hard time seeing that with Ramsey at the club that we will get another um, centre mid. But I that's relying on Arsene Wenger being a logical person. The season before last, we, we didn't sign an outfield player. Like, I mean... <laughs> That that is a classic case of Arsene Wengerism. He's not he, he's not going, he's not like a Mourinho. He's going, yeah, we need five players for those two positions, or we need he'll he'll just do what he wants, and I don't think it's going to have any impact. But I just think Aaron Ramsey can win games, big games. He's proven it. He's done it. Get him in the right formation. We know that Arsene Wenger doesn't like changing things around that much. He will think that the Xhaka Ramsey partnership in with with a back three is one that can win us the league. That is my point. That That is my point, and I don't think it can. Um, well, I don't think Arsenal can win the league, but I think it's going to be a multitude of different issues as opposed to the Xhaka Ramsey issue. So playing into, like, off the back of that, what, what do you do with uh, Chamberlain, who will also look promising um, in the middle at times. And also, it kind of looks like he has all of the raw ingredients to be like a, a cater. I, 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 maybe I'm the only one. I just didn't think he, he's ever looked like he's ever going to play centre-mid regularly. He played, what, a maximum of like five, six games there. For me, his best position is probably, is, is probably going to be right wing back. Uh, because it's this new way, new formation, new way of playing. Power, pace going forward, good delivery. He proved he could do it. Bellerin's already making rumblings he's going to go. I see him as maybe our, you know, right wing back. Fair. I've, I've, I just got sad again thinking that what all the teams in the Premier League are doing right now is figuring out how to break down Chelsea's 3-4-3. Chelsea knows this. So that they are going to change formation and look at a new system for next season. All the teams are going to adapt it to that playing style, and the only people left wondering what the hell happened is going to be us in that formation. I agree, but let's not forget that we probably created the. We were we are probably the blueprint for how to beat that Chelsea system with our performance in the FA Cup final. I don't want to read too much into the FA Cup final, but the way that. Shaka and Ramsey almost were in front of each other, rotating rather than alongside each other. The pressing from the front, uh, you know, um, just being so aggressive with our defending. Um, you know, we pushed on as well. We really pinned them back. I think, you know, maybe maybe people will be thinking about how to beat, oh, 3-4-3. Three, three. <laughs> yes, I, be- I bet you they're all worried about that. I thought that... we were having an optimistic session today. <laughs> it's a very optimistic session from you. It's your changed man. What yeah. did you get up to at the weekend? One Arsene Wenger. <laughs> <laughs> so our second pre-season pod 
uh, is coming to a finish. I kind of felt like that was a second game. The first game, you're out there full of beans, chasing all the balls. And the second one, that hamstring's a little bit tight. And I'm a little bit tired and I've been drinking in the bar with Ray Parler um, in between games. So uh, uh, we've got to get our match fitness up. But um, that was that was an interesting pod, an optimistic one um, from Matt, not so optimistic from Alfred. But overall, I would say that we're all pretty excited about what's going on. We feel like the catalyst for change is maybe chugging back into gear. It's happening for me. It's happening for me as well because of Mad Gens, not Lazar. Okay, cool. Well, on that note, uh, we'll see you next week. We're going to put some more questions out. We had a problem with the voicemail today, so that's why we didn't uh, put your voicemails up. Um, but that's a big goodbye from me. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Alfred. Thank you, Pete. You say the ciao for now. Ciao for now. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page... We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.